Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. This is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15. Grand five. He'll score. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Second hour of old school on a Monday again. Hopefully, uh, you guys are having a great Monday. 402 464 5685. Start a hammy text line on the Lincoln Hotline if you want to be a part of it. And again, jump on the video streams uh, or the app. There's just tons of ways for you to enjoy the content. Jump on Allo, channel 951. If you're at the crib or you're at the office, just put it on 951 and go ahead and have at it. Let's bring in the Husker Hall of Famer. Let him tell you about the Mercado. <laughs> What's happening? How you guys doing on this beautiful uh, Nebraska Monday? We good. We good. You back on the ground? You good? Yeah, it's all good in the hood, man. It's uh, you know, I know that uh, you know, look, it's what seventy-two degrees. Going to be seventy-two tomorrow, and then by the time the spring game uh, jump off, this bad boy is going to be. Uh, it seems like it's going to be below zero. That's going to be 55. 55 is like, come on, weather, like work along with us. Help us out, man. That's what I'm saying. Help Help us help you, right? Yeah, like help us out, man. We we promise to behave. Just let us get outside and enjoy it without having to shiver up, man. I I, I went through that. Uh, Where were you? Where you been, man? Man, we had a little uh, little basketball competition this weekend and – you know the, the the friendly skies were they were friendly because it was good 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 flying but uh, uh just wasn't on time so uh, it was all good man it was uh you know just kind of back into uh, you know coaching a little bit and uh, you know on the weekends and then uh, you know getting ready for the spring game I'm I'm really interested to see how it all shakes out I know it's going to be you know tidied up but I think it's going to be buttoned up and be a good representation. It just for me, I'm really interested to see, you know, who fits where, what 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 they look like, uh, and you know how the second and third team, you know, uh, you know, compete against each other. What I mean through all of Saturday's workout, right? That, that for what everybody was talking about, and when Matt Rule comes out and says, "Well, defense, defense won today," you're not surprised at that, are you, linebacker professor? Well, I mean, I'd hope they would. I mean, I'd like to, you know, I mean, look, man, to be honest with you, you want, you want it to be a good competition where, you know, the defense wins, the offense bounces back. and lets you know they have some pride and there's some good competitive spirit going back and forth. But, you know, the defense, you know, could it be a little, um, you know, there's not as many, it just seems there's not as many numbers. I mean, look, there's 16 receivers in the receiver room, I think. Just that alone is, is astronomical, whereas defense, you know, you can, you know, run around and hit and, and kind of dictate stuff. And sometimes on defense, just by pure effort, it can give you the smoke screen that you're ahead. But reality, nobody's game planning for um, the defense yet. But, you know, the fact that the defense is doing some things, you got different guys stepping up, you're hearing different names come out of the spring, uh, that bodes well for, you know, the individuals that, you know, Potentially, your you know Husker career was on the line, I guess per se. Um, that they're doing well, and some of the young guys coming in are it seems like they're you know at least not embarrassing themselves and look like they can fit right in. So, 
you know, offensively, I think, you know, once they kind of get a little bit more healthy up front, uh, and then the consistency and continuity should take off and find out, you know, where you're at within the tight end position, Fedoni, uh, Gilbert, um, um, Borkature uh, after, you know, and I think he could be in there and be your 2A or 2B anyways. Um, Borkature and um, see what the transition of Applegate is. And Bonner is kind of like an H-back. I don't view him as a tight end, but like kind of a utility guy. And then the receivers, you know, they can get their top five or six, you know, situated or sorted out pretty soon. I think you're going to see, you know, throughout, they're going if they have a good summary, that, that offense taken off because, you know, all, you know, like the, the competition, I assume, between Casey and, and just Sims is just getting started. Um, you know, Sims obviously got the live reps, but Casey got the mental reps, and Casey gets to see, you know, what his, uh, you know, ugly sores are, per se. And then sometimes with the coaches, you can, you know, see somebody so much that when the new guy comes along, you're like, man, I, you know, I didn't really realize he was that good. And I think part of that is, also, you know, I'm assuming Casey's going to be around, you know what I mean? And I'm not into the old, you know, if he's leaving, you know, Saturday or last, last Saturday or whatever it is. But he, uh, I don't I, I don't think that they realize how good of a quarterback he was under the circumstances uh, last year, and especially with some of the play calling and the lack of helping the offensive line out and protection, which then was a trickle-down effect. And the things that he was able to do, I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, and, you know, whether they let that be a surprise, you know, that's on them. But I think everything will work itself out. In your mind, is is it really a competition? Do you think the quarterback position that Sims, Harburg, Purdy, Thompson, Smothers all end up in a right. real battle for this quarterback position? And how does it play out? Like, I mean – is this yeah, done I mean, in the classroom? Is this done like how is this done? I mean, it's through some. I mean, I'm assuming. I like I said, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm. I mean, for sure. I mean, it, it, those coaches got to answer that, and they could give you, you know, hopefully a more honest answer. But I just would assume you got two guys that have legitimate starting experience, and that's Casey and Sims, legit. And so, the, on that alone, you think them two need to battle out. And then after that, that's where Chubba Purdy and Smothers really battled out. And those are the conversations that they need to have after spring. You know, you know, realistically, are you our type of quarterback? Do you fit into our system? Even if, you know, you know, all hell breaks loose and, you know, the top two guys get hurt and then you're next up, right? Because sometimes you could be number three, but, you know, you really are kind of like a full gold number three. Or the number four, you know, they they think that they could get something out of them, uh, you know, down the line. So I'm assuming those conversations are going to be had, and then they got to make decisions there. And then once they get there, you know, it's the battle throughout the summer. You know, I'll see in the weight room, the classroom, they do some seven on seven stuff. I, I, I think, and, and I don't know if the rule was passed yet, that they can, the coaches can participate a little bit more. And, I'm, and I don't know for sure if that's 100%. But I'm sure they're keeping a you know an eye to all the activities, and then once you get in the fall camp, then you know then then the play time's over. Then every pass, I mean, it does matter now. But you you have somebody that you're actually competing against that you know when you look in across that you know quarterback room in this case that that dude that dude is a dude too, and that dude has 100% confidence in himself as well as far as 
you know, performing as a quarterback, and it's done, and it's done it in the Big Ten. That doesn't mean that Jeff Sims doesn't come in and think he, you know, can't do, you know, do his thing. But you know, it's a little bit different atmosphere, and so um, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer like this. I remember when Taylor Martinez was the quarterback, and uh, actually, Tristan Jebbia was, I think, behind him. Actually, I saw him on the Ohio State uh, spring game. And he left right away. And and really, if I would have talked to Tristan, I would say, look, you know, this is nothing against Taylor or Adrian or whoever it was. I think it was Taylor. Like, this dude, ain't, he ain't never lasted a whole year anyway. So what are you worried about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you know, if you, you're you going to get the play, and you just never know what, what could happen. I mean, if you look at Brock Purdy in the NFL, seventh-round choice, you know, never would have thought he would have played. It was Trey Lance's team, you, you know, to hell to high water. Jimmy Garoppolo was still coming off a shoulder injury, and they couldn't trade him. So he's kind of like the safety net. Both of those guys get hurt. And next thing you know, now you, you're the unquestioned starter because you were ready and prepared. But by no means did he go into training camp as Mr. Irrelevant, thinking I'm going to end up being the starter going into 2023 season. So, it does correlate down here. I think stay in power helps, but then also if you really want to play, um, you also know that there's only one quarterback position that, that gets to play. And so, you know, you never fault the kid that's wanting to go play because to be honest with you, if they're really good, you know, say they have to go to a different school, maybe a lower level or just a different conference and they perform well, well then, you know, there's going to be, as we've seen through this transfer portal, um, experience matters, especially when you're trying to win. You just never know who might come uh, knocking on your door. And if you want another example of it, Stetson Bennett, um, who looks like a you know a, a car insurance salesman, you know got you know said, hey, look, you, you can come here, go to JUCO, get your game right, come back. He had to still battle. They didn't want to play him, and now look at him. You know he's a winner of two back-to-back national championships, and it's because he stayed the course and played at a place that he really wanted to play at. Jay, it. It, it intrigues me a little that in a position of need or a position of question that Elante Brown jumps back in the transfer portal. What does that right. say about the receiver room and or, or how do, how does it make you feel about, about that room if Elante decides that he is not going to be a part of it? Well, I think, I mean, I think he hadn't been back. He didn't come back since January. So him making it official, you know, maybe they were trying to see if he could hit some check marks or if he really wanted to come back. They, you know, they would have him back, and he decided against it. Um, so I really wasn't surprised. But I think, you know, they feel very comfortable with, um, you know, with what they got. I mean, they're, you know, they're, you know, they got, uh, you know, Billy Kemp, who, you know, played, you know, in the ACC and played against good competition. And then you got, uh, you know, you got, you know, you got Washington coming back. You got, you know, best and IGC, one of those guys you're expecting to kind of hit on, right? And then you got, um, you know, the 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 holdover from Baylor. Fleets, you got guys yeah. with experience and, and, and stuff like that. So I think they do feel very comfortable, along with some of the young guys and like Hardy and those guys that were originally recruited. So, you know, I think, you know, what they're going to do is, is, is end up being okay, but I think they just got to, you know, understand that uh, – you know, it might take some time and it's going to take some continuity because, uh, you know, the way this thing goes and the way you're rolling, um, 
it, it's going to be, uh, I wouldn't say it's going to be tough sledding, but it's going to be a, you know, a nice little roller coaster there to see who really steps up. I mean, you know, Marcus Washington going to be the unquestioned number one. You know, he came on last year and really, really, uh, became more consistent, you know, with his hands. And then you got Billy Kemp and you got the kind of like a, you know, Batman and Robin, two different body types. And plus with this type of offense, or at least what I assume they're going to do, you know, if they're not, if they're not up to snuff or maybe as physical as they like up front, they can become very physical out on the edges. And that's what's at the receiver, you know, position, you know, blocking. And then also with the way that they're running after the catch and with the tight ends being able to block and execute different blocking schemes out on, on, you know, out on, out on space and, and you can become physical that way and wear a team's out because the physicality, you know, everybody thinks of just lining up and bowling people over, you know, obviously we'd like that. Right. But also the physicality is how you're able to finish runs on the outside, get explosive runs if you get, you know, towards the sideline and, and how these receivers, you know, kind of created some sort of physical mentality. But then also you're going to tire out the defensive linemen, which will help you become more physical as you try to dominate the line of scrimmage. But um, that's not going to be your end-all, be-all type of offense. So don't, you know, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. It can be you, your off-speed pitch to set up your, your fastball, uh, per se. And so, you know, it's got to be a conscious effort to establish the line of scrimmage in some form or fashion. But also you can do it like, you know, you can have a separate line of scrimmage outside of the uh, – you know, offense tackle box. Jay, do you have any any thought on what this offense is going to look like under Marcus Satterfield? Any ideas? Is this a big ball offense, big play offense? Is this yeah. a grinded downhill offense? Is this a three tight end offense? What What is your thought? Man, I don't know. I think a little bit has to deal with you know how Fadoni progresses and what if you know if he really is the real deal, right? Um, and, I, and that's just being honest. Like, dude, you ain't played, you know what I mean? So, you ain't, you ain't played some high school. So, we got to see you do it against the big boys, you know? And that's going to be, you know, how he progresses through camp. You know, there's no green shirt during camp, man. We got we, we got to test your manhood. And then Gilbert, if he's there, and then you got Borkature. So, then, yeah, you could be a more of a three, you know, type of tight end offense where you can do multiple things. Uh, again, on the edges, in the middle of the field, different formations. Um, you can um, – personnel them, you know, uh, in a different way as well. So I, I think it's going to be based on health. But then I also think that they're going to try to do uh, different things week to week, right? And so, you, you know, I think what – I'm only assuming here, and so I can only go off of, I guess, what I would do or whatever. You know, nobody knows what, what anybody is going to – what Nebraska is going to be on offense. So this is a perfect time to actually, I call it expanding your roster or using the most out of your roster, right? So if you're, you know, trying to keep people more engaged and develop some depth and talent, you can have certain sections of your roster based on the game plan, right? So, you know, it might be a weekend where you might, you know, three or four tight ends will be in it because we, you feel like you have an advantage and you need some help maybe in pass protection or run blocking, right? And you might want to be trying to attack on the edges or you've seen something. Or you might want to be more of an RPO type of thing. So then you think of a Jeff Sam, or then you think of also uh, what receivers kind of can work the best in the short area, you know, obviously the play action and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I'm assuming it's going to be that. Then obviously you have the fullback element. I don't think it's going to be fullback, you know, you know, you know, down in and down out, but I think it's going to be something that they're going to try to 
maybe not feature, but make sure that people are prepared for it because the more that a defense has to prepare for and they've seen that actually a team is committed to doing or has success doing is going to take away preparation for what a team potentially may want to do. So I would assume it's going to be a multitude of things. I think that they feel like they, they can develop a roster that way. I think they can, you know, and, and I mean develop a roster faster. And that's getting everybody to be, you know, held accountable, engaged in the offensive game plan, and involved in it. So then, therefore, you know, when you're getting off the bus and, or going to the game, you already kind of know what your role is. And then when you can do that, you can build an identity and you can become a little bit more a cohesive team faster. And that's in theory, but, you know, that's I'm assuming what he might do uh, or what they might do. And it also depends on who, you know, considering who steps up, right? And if you get, you know, Casey going, then, you know, you got to really focus on maybe, you know, potentially letting him run with it. And, uh, you know, Casey can run um, and then finding ways to use his, his uh, you know, attributes to the, to, to the maximum uh, and might be, you know, rolling out the pocket and, and also doing the thing with Jeff Sims and, and, and see which running back is, is your running back that's really, you know, stepping up, you know, behind Anthony Grant, A.J. Allen, um, you know, Gabe Irvin, who's going to be there? You know, one thing to do it in spring, right, where you're going against the same guys and you know how they bite, right? You know how they hit versus going against guys that have no uh, remorse for when they, you know, you know, put the pads on. So it's just interesting to see what's going to happen. It's, you know, it's a long time, you know, to first kick off, but it's, it's a very short time because the pressure – even though you get through the spring game Saturday, right? The pressure doesn't taper off for these guys on this team. It actually ramps up because now you have to cement yourself as, you know, whatever position you're at. Then you got to get ready for a season. Then you got to build a continuity. And then you got to continue to go to work because now it seems like, you know, just being okay with being okay or just being okay with being the best three and nine team or that, you know, that's not no support, you know, in theory is no longer accepted and it never should have been, but you know, it's one of those things you, when you're trying to change the narrative, you got to change your work habits and how you think. As, as that happens, the eyes move away. Right? We like the, the bright, shiny moving parts, but we also know that this team will only be as good as it's two, two lines are. What, what is the expectation Saturday? What are we looking for? First, on the offensive side of the line, what are we looking for? What's a sign of success when watching this offensive line Saturday? Well, I think really, to be honest with you, I mean, like, like I said, I, you know, I, I think the offensive line has, at times performed better than they really got, you know, credit for, you know. Um, so, I, you know, like the continued progress and maybe, you know, what they did, you know, really good at times and not really good or good at times last year, right? You want to, you know, look, look like you know what you're doing and look in and when, when the like layman eyes or I call it the naked eye can look at, you know, your offensive line play and be like, yeah, okay. I, I can see what they're doing. And so just along those lines, you know, no, no, you know, false starts, no, like, you know, bad holding penalty, no, no plays to where somebody that doesn't even know football, like, Oh, that guy was supposed to block that guy. And, he didn't even look like he didn't know what he was doing, let alone had a chance to block that guy. So if you start eliminating that stuff and then that's where the confidence will come from and, and figure out what you want to be really, really good at, you know, what you can kind of hang your hat on, 
Um, and you might you won't see it all through spring, but you see glimpses of it because if you see the first team doing it, the second team doing it, then you're going to see the third and fourth team guys trying to replicate that. Then you can maybe get a little bit of, uh, you know, identity of what they're trying to do. Finishing blocks is going to be huge. Like, you know, the effort that's going to be, that is demanded and the non-toleration of not your maximum is probably the main thing. If they do that and everybody embraces that, the offensive line will get better a lot faster than people give them credit for. We're going to, we're going to take a break there, Jake. But when we come back, I do want to ask you about that other side of the ball, them big dudes to protect them, them superstar linebackers that like to run around and hit people and beat people up. We'll talk about that with Jake Foreman when we come back to old school. 